Welcome to the Mission Cleveland Weekly Podcast, encouragement and hope in a despairing world. Well, it's good to be with all of you tonight. Um, like I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the service, today is Ascension Sunday. Thursday was the Feast of the Ascension, and so we're actually actually going to be looking at the lectionary text from Thursday rather than today with this emphasis on the Ascension of Jesus. So before we do that, would you pray with me? Well, Lord, just like we read in the gospel text where you open the disciples' minds to understand the scriptures, I pray that you would do the very same for us now. Lord, shed light on these words that they may bring light and life to our hearts and to our minds and to our lives. Just teach us, Lord, what it means to not only live in light of your resurrection during Eastertide, but to live in light of your ascension, even. So we ask you to come, Holy Spirit, to have your way and to teach us. We are open and we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know about you, but the Ascension is definitely one of those um, feast days or events in the life of Jesus that um, I did not learn about growing up. And it um, is very much overlooked when you just, just think about the church calendar in general. And so in preaching team um, this week, we were just talking about that. But why is that? Why is it that the Ascension is something that is so overlooked? Because obviously there's a very clear... Um, emphasis on the death and the resurrection of Jesus, right, because those are very important things, but for some reason this, this other act that comes after the resurrection of his ascension gets overlooked. But when you think about it, um, the theme of ascending and descending is, is all over Scripture in both the Old and the New Testament. Um, if you think about Genesis 28, you might recall Jacob's vision, Jacob's dream, and the ladder, the angels are ascending and descending along this ladder. And then in the Gospel of John, um, chapter 1, Jesus is speaking and says that the angels will ascend and descend upon himself. And if you think about just the Gospel story in general, you have Jesus, who through the incarnation right, comes to earth, descends, and dwells with us on this earth, and then he descends to the dead, which our creed reveals to us, and then he is raised from the dead, so there's another movement of ascension, and then eventually ascends into heaven. So this movement of ascending and descending is very prevalent in scripture, and I think that that shows us, that reveals to us that we need to pay attention to that. Bare minimum, why should we pay attention to the ascension? Well, like I mentioned, it is part of our creeds. It's part of the Apostles' Creed that we say every single week that Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. So based on our gospel reading today, it ends this way. I just want to read it to you again. It says that he, Jesus, led them, the disciples, out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. 
While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. That puts me in the mind of our priestly blessing right at the end of our service each week when Father Luke stands up and lifts his hands and blesses us to go out. Jesus' hands were raised, and it says, while he blessed them, not after he blessed them, but while he blessed them, he ascended. And so really how I want to frame this homily today is the ascension as a blessing and taking it even a step further, the absence of the bodily Jesus somehow as blessing, even though that might sound a little bit counterintuitive. So how is it that the ascension is a blessing to us? Well, the ascension, I believe, establishes the reign of Jesus, In a podcast I listened to earlier this week, the person being interviewed said something along the lines of this. He said, if the resurrection solidified the enduring life of Jesus, the ascension solidified the enduring reign of Jesus. That resonated with me. That made a lot of sense to me, what he was saying. We know that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and being seated implies finality, completion, Permanence, that is, until he comes again, right? He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And there's a connection here, many would believe, to Daniel chapter 7, when Daniel has a vision. And here's what it says in Daniel. It says, Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. That sounds like one who is enthroned, one who is reigning. And again in Psalm 110, it says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Again, another reference many believe to the ascension of Jesus. So the ascension is a blessing because it establishes this reign of Jesus. Also believe that the ascension, in the ascension of Jesus, this grants us access to where he is. Because like Father Luke preached a few weeks ago, how could he prepare a place for us, humanity, without entering there first in a human body? And if you juxtapose this with the incarnation, you think when the incarnation, this was the birth of divinity into human space, into the earth. Well, if you flip that, the ascension is humanity being birthed back into God's space being birthed into divine space, into the heavenlies. Barbara Brown Taylor puts it this way. I love her thoughts on this. She says, By ascending bodily into heaven, Jesus showed us that flesh and blood are good, not bad. That they are good enough for Jesus, good enough for heaven, good enough for God. By putting them on and keeping them on, Jesus has not only brought God to us, He has also brought us to God, to birth flesh into God's world. Through the ascension, Jesus opened the gates of heaven to humanity through the irreversible entry of his humanity into divine glory. 
So the ascension establishes the reign of Jesus, and it also grants us access to where Jesus is. And the third thing I believe the ascension establishes is that really you could argue it, it births, maybe, but really establishes the church. I've read some argue that the inception of the church was when Jesus was on the cross in some of his last words, and he's looking out at the crowd, and he sees Mary, and he sees John, and he says to his mother, Behold your son, and to John, Behold your mother. And I've read before, and it's really compelling that that might just have been the inception of the church, Jesus committing people to one another for his purposes and in his name. And while I do believe that that could have been the beginning of this, of establishing this idea of being committed to one another, I really believe that it is here, after the ascension of Jesus, that the church is established. The angel says, while this is from the Acts passage, not the Luke passage, that while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. It's as if the angels are saying to the disciples, stop looking up. What are you still looking at or looking for? Look back down. Look around you. Christ's body on earth now is yours. It is yours and it is your neighbors, those around you. That is where you will encounter Christ now. This is what it looks like to encounter Jesus now. Commit yourselves to one another as you wait for the promise that is to come. Isn't that just a beautiful explanation of what it means to be the church? A people who are committed to one another as we patiently wait for the promises of God to be fulfilled in our lives. Then in the Gospel of Luke, we learn that after he ascended, here's what the disciples do. They worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. They were not hunkered down in fear as they were after the resurrection. They also were not off alone in solitude pondering what was to come by themselves. But they were vibrantly waiting with prayer and with worship in community with one another for the promises of God to be fulfilled. Someone in our preaching team this week said the proper response to the promises of Jesus is not individualism. I was distracted and I heard it and I was like, wait, 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 say that again. That's really good. The proper response to the promises of Jesus is not individualism, but it is this beautiful collective waiting together on the promises of Jesus to be fulfilled. And the ascension gives the disciples the opportunity to do that with one another. The risen and ascended Lord is no longer bound by time and by space, by human or physical limitations, and can now, after the ascension, actually be everywhere through the lives of those who followed him and through the power of the spirit that is to come. And that is good news for us on this ascension day. Also believe this calls the church to a greater attentiveness because now we must be looking for the ways that Christ is present in this world through another means than his actual body on earth. We have to be looking for him in other places, in one another, 
because his body is not here for us to look at anymore. So the ascension is worth our attention. It serves as the final piece to Christ's ministry on earth. I thought about this a bit spontaneously. I'm going to put Luke Matthews on the spot. He just ran a half marathon yesterday, so kudos to Luke. But I was thinking about running a race, and I was thinking about the life of Jesus and how, I don't know, many of you are runners, I know. It helps me if I'm running to have checkpoints along the way, right? Because if I can do that mentally, that helps. I can just make it to, let's be honest, maybe half a mile or <laughs> two miles, whatever the marker is. Then I can push a little bit harder, go a little bit further. And I know it might sound silly or oversimplified, but I just wonder if you have these moments like the death of Jesus. That had to have been a marker for him, knowing that that was coming. And then knowing he was going to, to, to come to life again, be resurrected, another marker. Marker, but this, the ascension, is actually the finish line of his ministry on earth. And yet we forget that because, quite honestly, we're just, we're not taught that. We're not talking about the ascension of Jesus like we should. And the good news is that Jesus' ministry to us did not end when he ascended into heaven because now he continues as he sits enthroned in heaven seated at the right hand of the father he continues to bless us because remember while he was blessing them he ascended who's to say that that blessing has not continued and continued and continued since that moment he continues to bless us to intercede for us and to speak to God on our behalf Romans 8.34 tells us that. It says, Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. One commentary I read explained it this way. I thought it was beautiful. That it is almost as if Jesus has not ascended, but exploded. So that all the holiness that was once concentrated in him alone flew everywhere, flew far and wide, so that the seeds of heaven are sown in all the fields of the earth. Do we have eyes to see them? So as we move into communion, as we move toward the table, the question might arise in our hearts and in our minds, and it would be fair, how can Christ be here if he's seated enthroned at the right hand of the Father? How could we get more of him if he made his bodily exit when he ascended? This presence is really just a mystery, enabled by the Spirit, which we'll explore next Sunday on Pentecost Sunday. But in the meantime, may we collectively, communally, feast on our ascended Christ in our hearts with continuous praise, thanksgiving, worship, and patience until he returns for us again. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Speak truth to my heart. Thanks for listening. Join us at the Mission Cleveland next week. For